Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Verse 18. And I would like this morning to attempt uh, to preach what in my mind is kind of like a Swiss army knife sermon, if you will. What I mean by that is it's uh, directly tied to and absolutely applicable to the series that, that we're in right now. But, but at the same time, it really is a sermon that as I was preparing in my heart uh, is really for, for our graduating class, for, for our seniors. But at the same time, it applies to every single area of our life and are following Jesus. And so I'm just believing that wherever you are in life today, uh, whether you're here last week, whether you're following along the series, whether this is your first time, that uh, God really would speak to you and help you today. We're in this series called, called Born to Leap. And in case you weren't here last week, I'll kind of give you, give you the big idea. The big idea of this series is that every single one of us, ready? We were born to lead. Every single one of us have a supernatural or a divine calling that is on our life as it relates to leadership in God's kingdom. We, we, we jokingly said this last week that you, you make that statement, there's three different groups of people. There's the you know, awesome type A personality you know, man on campus. It's like, absolutely, I'm a leader. Look at me. Have you seen how many push-ups I can do? Obviously, I am a I'm, I'm a leader. And then you have the person that, I'm a little skeptical, maybe. And then you have the person that maybe where a lot of people can, can, can lean, where because you know you best, you automatically disqualify yourself and go, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a leader, man. I don't, especially when it comes to like God's kingdom and church. And I'm definitely not a, but we defined last week that leadership is not a title. It's not a position of authority, but leadership rather. It is simply recognizing that you have something to give made this statement last week that when it comes to leadership in God's kingdom, God is not trying to put more on you. This is not a series about going, all right, now I got one more thing to think about and one more, more uh, burden to carry. No, 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 God's not trying to put more on you. When it comes to leadership in God's kingdom, God is simply trying to pull out of you what he's already deposited. We've all been called by God to use what he's given us to number one, to, 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 to reach our world. That we, we, we recognize that my, my job, where I go to make money, or the, the, the career that I'm aspiring towards, that's actually not my calling. God, God may have led me there. God may have ordained that for, uh, for, for me. God may have supernaturally opened doors, but that's actually not my calling in life. Your vocation is simply the location that God has placed you to live out and fulfill the God-given call on your life, the call of God on all of our lives. The Bible is explicitly clear. It is to say my whole, my whole life, I'm leveraging all that I have to reach people. I, I, I can't reach the whole world, but I can reach my world because I've been given divine influence. I have friends, I have neighbors, I have, co- I have influence, I have a sphere of influence, and God's actually called me to leverage that to help people who are hurting and broken and lost to know the love and the life of, of, of Jesus. S- secondly, we've all been called to, to use what we've been given to, to build God's house. We'll, we'll talk about this uh, a little bit later, but, but like local church is a big deal. It, it's not just you know, somewhere where we gather once a week so we can do a sermon and a couple songs. It's not something that 
uh, we like just hop around from people. No, local church is God-ordained, and it is a big deal. Bible says those who are planted in the house of God, they will flourish in, in the courts of their God. Local church is, I've heard one pastor say it this way, is the hope of humanity. Because Jesus did not hand his mission to an individual, he handed his mission to a group that would, that would form and birth the early church. The local church is the body, the representation of Jesus to the world. And we've all been called, use what we've been given, reach people, but then bring people into this community where they can be ministered to, where they can have, have, have chains to, to take, taken off where they can experience what, what, what community looks like, where they can be surrounded. and just commu- Church is a big deal, and the call of God on all of our lives, it is to say, I'm all in, to use what God's given me to reach people and to build his church, and in doing so, be a part of advancing God's kingdom. We said this last week that all of us have been called. We're all qualified. Nah, no, not me, but no, no, no. We, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I've been qualified by Jesus' finished work, and even though I am insufficient, I've been given the ability to be filled with the supernatural power of God, with the Holy Spirit that enables me to fulfill this call. What what, what I want to talk about this morning as we continue in our series, again, remember, it's a Swiss army knife, if you will, of of a sermon. Um, I I want to talk about how how we go from knowing to actually going. How do you make that transition from information to implementation? How do you go from just collecting lots of information that you can agree upon, you can write down, you can go, ah, that's good, that's true. How do you go from just collecting information to actually applying it and doing it in your everyday life? And the thing I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about vision. Now, allow me to to give you my my definition that I, I want us to work with. The definition that I want us to work with this morning is simply this, that vision is not goals on a whiteboard. Vision is not your aspiration for success or achievement. Vision is not even, if you will, and I apologize if I step on your toes, vision is not even your idea, your plan. Did you know that God actually is less interested in like blessing your big idea and more interested in bringing you into his big idea? His, his plan that, that he has and in his big idea, the blessing of God is, is already there. Vision's not goals and whiteboard. What vision is, is vision, it's a word from God. Now, allow me to explain for a moment. Vision, a word from God, is when you have God speak to you. you, you may, it's not audible, but you hear the voice of God. You, you, you get a word or something God says to you that paints a picture in your heart and in your mind of the future that, that God has for you. It's, it, it, it's not our our whiteboard success achievement. You, it's, it, it's knowing I, there's a word that God has. There's something that God's deposited in me that has painted a picture for the future he has for me. I, I want to interchangeably use these words today and, um, and, and you'll, you'll see why in a moment. But, but really what I'm talking about is revelation. I know it's kind of a big Bible word and I'm going to pick on someone, I'm not sure who yet, uh, to, 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 to get up here and, and help me to illustrate that. But, but, but really revelation is just when the Holy Spirit opens your eyes. And what we need, the whole, whole goal of my sermon today is to help us to, to realize that what I need, if I'm going to go from information to implementation, if I'm going to go from just knowing stuff to do, is I need vision. I, I need a word from God. I need a revelation from God so that it becomes real on the inside rather than just a piece of information that I can 
agree upon, but, but it doesn't, doesn't do me any good. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title of the sermon this morning is simply this, can you, can you see it? Um, you may or may not be into titles of sermons, but this particular one, I, I want for you to just think about for a minute. The, the, the question is, when it comes to the call that's on your life, it's, it's contextualized to every single one of us, but when it comes to going, okay, God, you've called me to like reach my world. And, and you've called me to use what you've given me to, to help build the church. And re- Can you see it? It's just that there's a question I, I, I want for you to consider for a moment. Can, can you see it on the inside? Can, 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 can you close your eyes, if you will, metaphorically speaking, can, can you close your eyes and can you see, do you have revelation or a vision where, where people matter? That, you, that your world is no longer just your social setting, but, 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 but it, it, it's your mission field. Can, can you see things from a heavenly perspective that Jesus will come back and when he comes back, all the things we're obsessing about literally will not count. They will not matter. And one thing will matter and that is standing before our creator, giving an account of how we stewarded what he has given us and how we responded to, to that call. Can, can you see it? Can, can, can you see your, your local church? If, if God's called you here, this is not my church, it's not pastor, this is our church. Can you see your church? Do you have a vision for how God can use us to radically transform and change a city, a community? Can, can you see it? Because my, my big idea today is if you cannot see it here, it will never become an actual part of, of how you live and how, how you respond. I know we've pray, prayed a bunch, but let me pray one more time, and then I'll read the scripture, and we'll, we'll get into this. But if, if you would indulge me, let's pray one more time. God, thank you today for the Bible. And um, I, I know we, we've prayed already, but God, I just want to ask one more time that you really, really would speak to every single one of us. I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but God, I know for me personally, I don't want to live in the land of information anymore. I, I, I don't want to know way more than I actually apply and do and live. I, I don't want to reason and rationalize my way out of being a doer of your word any longer. And so Lord, help, help me, but help us, God, have open eyes and ears to hear and receive from you today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Um, ha- have you ever been frustrated with, with yourself before? Just like, just aggravated at yourself? Um, I know that when it comes to sermon examples, I generally only have like two, two things I talk about, and that's golf and my kids. I apologize. I will try to become a little, a little more diverse. Uh, someone has recently confronted me. They're like, you tell a lot of the same stories. I'm like, bro, I've only lived so long. I only have so many. And I think that's like, like a sin if I lie and make stuff up. Like I can't, I can't tell you something. This is my stories. So this past weekend, I got to go on a golf trip with some guys from our church. And... Um, my wife, by the way, is amazing because she didn't let me go. She encouraged me. She's like, you, like you, you should do that. That'd be great. You should totally do that. And um, the difference between me and my wife, I got home from this trip. My wife, who is pregnant with our, with, with our fourth baby, not only was she, she taking care of raising, feeding our three children, six, four, and two, but I got home and the nursery was painted. The kid's bathroom was repainted. She cut the grass and the house was way cleaner than it was when I left. And, and I'm like, how did you do that? And she's like, because you're part of the problem around here. 
will you please, like that's point taken actually. But so, so, I, so I go on this trip and um, I, I was not playing very good at all. Um, I, I am not a great golfer by any means. Um, I was not play, play, playing good at all. And so we played the first two days and I made this determination in my head. All right, you, you cannot control a bad golf swing because you're a bad golfer. Like just let's settle into your identity for a minute. You don't practice, you don't play a lot. You, like it is what it is. Like you can't, you can't get mad. Funny story, we, we got done playing, I think it was our second round of golf and um, we didn't see this happen, but someone obviously was so mad after playing golf that they got done and they, they dumped their entire golf bag in the trash and left. It's like, I just like, I, I hate you golf. And they, they were, which is kind of how I felt. And um, I'm like, you can't control a bad, a bad golf because you're a bad golfer. You don't practice, you don't play. But here's what you can do. You can make good mental decisions. You, you can make, like, just well, let's be smart about it. So my goal, which Graham Torrey right here was uh, my, my, my cart buddy yesterday. Uh, Graham Torrey, Jim Billings, Mark Rizzi, were the guys that we played with. And um, I apologized to Graham like twice, probably more than that, because I was talking his ear off the whole day. Just, 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 just self-talk. I'm talking to myself, but he, I need someone to hear. And I think at one point I'm like going through like, oh, what, what should I do? This club's too, if I hit this club, I really got to catch it clean. That's not going to happen. Uh, but, but if I hit this club and I do catch it clean, then it's going it's to go too far. And, and uh, Graham's like, yeah, that sounds good. That just like, hey, just stop talking. Please just hit, hit, the, hit the ball. But, but, but I told Graham, Here, here's what I'm going to do. Today, I'm going to focus on every shot. And I'm making good decisions today, which, by the way, I accomplished on, on the front nine. I shot, for me, I'm, I'm not a great golfer, but for me, I shot a great front nine. And, and I get to hole 10. This is relevant, I promise you, in a moment. And, and I hit my, my ball behind a tree. Now, the smart play would be just to put it back in the fairway, just chip it out, and then just hit, hit your third shot. And if you two-putt for a bogey, then, then great, whatever. But no, 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 no. Because I had a great front nine. And because I had just had a power rate in a snicker bar, I was feeling all the power of God. And um, I decided I'm going to try to hit this giant, like, banana-looking hook around these trees and back over. Like, I, never in my life. I'm like, I'm, I can do it, though. And I, I hit this ball so far the other direction, it, it went into the woods and was lost with aggression. It was like the worst shot I've ever hit in my life. And I was so mad. I was so frustrated. And here's what I was mad about. I was not frustrated that I hit a bad shot because I'm a bad golfer and I hit bad shots all the time. I was frustrated because I knew it was a dumb decision. I knew it was stupid. I'd already committed to myself and Graham because he was forced to listen to me. I'm making good choices today. And I was mad at myself because even though I knew something, I, I didn't do that thing that I, that I said I was going to do and that I, and that I know. It kind of got me thinking, because one of the things that I'm most frustrated about in myself, now, if, if you feel like I'm just projecting on you, then I apologize, and you can, you can pray for me, but one of the things I get the most frustrated about in myself is in things that really matter, like following Jesus, like living a life that is aligned with his will, his ways, and his word, I know a lot more than I actually do. I, I know way more, which by the way, I think is, is true of all of us because all of us here this morning, you may or may not agree, but I'm telling you, all of us here this morning, we know way more about, about God's ways and his will and his word than, than we think we do. 
We, we, we don't feel like we do because we don't apply a lot of it, so we don't feel confident in it, but we know way more than, than, than we, we would maybe give ourselves credit for. And I get so frustrated because maybe I'm the only one, but, but in life, I find myself consistently doing the thing that I know God said, that's not what I should, that's not what I should do. Re- relevant to, to this series that we're in. I don't think that anybody who is an intelligent person and who has even a, a, a whiff of, of belief in God's word can intellectually argue that we are all not called by God. No, no, the, the Bible is way too explicitly clear. The Bible is explicitly clear. We're all called, called by God. If you even have a little bit of intelligence, think about it for half a second and have any belief in the Bible, you cannot wiggle your way out of the reality that the Bible tells us we've all been called by God to evangelize, to, re- to, 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 to reach our world. You just can't do it. The reality is we have to come to consensus. Okay, I, 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 hands up. It, it, it is the fact that I, I am called by God. We can't wiggle out of the reality that all of us, we've actually been given something to give and we should be leveraging ourselves to help reach people. And be- It is not even an argument. However, however, what is it in us? What is it in us? Even though we know, we, we can agree, ah, I definitely, Pastor, I definitely need to, to, do, to do better in that area. All that is is saying, I agree with that, that's a truth, I'm just not applying it to my life. Why is it that we know things and yet we, we, we do not apply, we do not do? What, what I would like to give you this morning is because we have information, but we do not have a revelation. Proverbs 29 18 is where I asked you to turn. Um, it's, it's kind of the, the main text that I want us to look at. Proverbs says this, where there is no revelation, where there is no revelation. Hold on real quick. Um, Tanner Torrey, I I, I don't know if you're going to love me or not, but can I use you as an example? Would you? Okay, come come real quick. Um, Thank you, Tanner, for for being my my spur of the moment example. Here's what I want you to do. Very simple. I had Mr. Matt Tiller do this first service. Very simple. Uh, Just sit right here, and, and I want you to put this mask on your eyes, not your face. Just use it as a blindfold. Yep, just just like that. Yep. You look amazing. You look so good. Photo opportunity right here. Now, I want you to sit on your hands. Okay, sit on your hands. Perfect. Tanner is currently a great picture for you and I of of what we look like in our natural ability. One of the things the Apostle Paul Paul writes in Ephesians 1, he he says, um, I'm praying for you that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that he would open your eyes to, to see, to behold what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his inheritance, what is the power, the exceedingly great power that now lives within us. He prays that prayer because you and I, in our natural ability, we do not have the ability to see the realities of God's kingdom and the things in the spirit. We can't see it. We, we can't see it. And, and, and you and I, we, in our natural ability, we are blindfolded where our, our eyes, they, we, just, we can't see it. We can't get it. And not only that, but we are, we are handcuffed. By the way, I was going to use handcuffs, but I couldn't find it because I don't own handcuffs. Um, so you're, you're welcome for that. We, we, we are handcuffed. We, 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 we can't even help ourselves. This is where I think there's a little, little bit of a misnomer because we think if I just read more books about God, I, I'd probably get it. If I listened to more podcasts, I would totally get it. 
You know what? If I just, if I actually did my daily Bible reading, if I just, if I studied more, if I knew more, then I would, but, but it's actually not the case because information in our own ability can, can never remove the handcuff and the blindfold that we are in our, in our natural ability. And, and the reason I'm telling you this is because revelation, all it means, I'm sure there's a way, more scholarly way to, 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 to talk about this, but all revelation is is the Holy Spirit simply coming and taking the blindfold off. That, that's the difference in, in, thank you so much, Tanner, you can go, thank you so much. You're awesome. Um, that, that, that's the difference in like sitting in, in a service like this and hear, hearing a message and being like, that's interesting. Okay, okay. And, and all of a sudden having something on the inside that just explodes because the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Because the Holy Spirit uncovers your eyes so that it doesn't just become another piece of information you're collecting, but it becomes a, a, a reality on the inside. I'll give you an example, and I've used this before. But when the whole thing started um, with, with the global pandemic and everything happening in our country, I was never actually like afraid or worried or concerned, but, but I found myself starting to get worried, concerned, and afraid that I wasn't worried, concerned, and afraid, if that makes sense. It's like, man, I, don't, like, I thought we were okay, but everyone's telling me we're not. I I've actually, like, have you ever had this happen? Like, you feel like you're doing pretty good, and then you talk to someone, and you're like, I felt like I was pretty good. I felt like I was actually, I felt like my hair did look good. I wish I never talked to that person. And, and I'm like, I, I just, I, I, just I, I, start, I started getting nervous, started getting afraid. And, and I spent probably, probably an hour, and, and I just read through Psalm 91. I knew Psalm 91. Like, that's, I, 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 I know that I can't quote it verbatim, but I know generally what it says. But it was information. And I sat down, I was praying and kind of asking God, God, just like, I, I need you to help me. And the Lord kind of was like, hey, like, go Psalm 91. And, and reading Psalm 91 in that moment, the, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes. I, I, think, I think the Greek word is apokalupto. I only remember because it's kind of a fun word to say, apokalupto. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes. And all of a sudden, Psalm 91, that God really is our, our protector and God really does cover us, it became information turned into transformation. And all of a sudden, there was this confidence and this peace and this assurance that I knew, no matter what happened, God is for us, God is with us. I, and, and all of a sudden, something that was so real and true, I couldn't even, I can't even explain to you, but I know that I know that that's revelation. And Proverbs 29 and 18, listen to what it says. It says, where there is no revelation, what do the people do? They cast off restraint. Where, where, where there's no revelation, when all you have is information, but you don't have revelation, you, you have nothing that holds you to actually applying or, or doing. Another translation says, says prophetic vision. Habakkuk chapter two, verse two, the Bible says, write the vision on the wall that he may run who reads it. Why? Because vision does something on the inside of you and I that, that, that gives us direction to run. It gives us discipline, even a desire for, for, for disciplines in our life. It gives us diligence and endurance to keep moving and, and, and to keep, why? Because we can see it. I remember my wife and I, we moved into our house a couple years ago in our backyard. I wish I had pictures on the screen because that'd be a lot 
more dramatic, but our, our backyard, we moved in, it was the worst. It was just like the worst backyard ever. It would, the whole thing was trees. It was trees and it was like pine needle and debris and like stuff up to like your knees. It, it, was, it was the worst because we got three kids and they couldn't even really go in the backyard and play. And I remember stand, stand, standing on the deck on our deck with my dad, our senior pastor, Pastor Gil, and we're looking and, and we're just talking about the possibilities. And, and I remember when it kind of like sunk in and all of a sudden, so not spiritual, but very, we, we just got this vision of like, okay, I think we can. And we spent the next year, uh, was it safe? No. Was it, was it dangerous? Absolutely. Was it legal? I'm honestly not sure we didn't check. But was it awesome? You better believe it was. We spent the next six months of the year just cutting down like 28 trees in our backyard. We, we, we're just, just cutting trees, cutting trees. We had all, all those, uh, the, the, the stumps ground and we graded it and what allowed us to, to keep going? What, what allowed us to invest time and money? What allowed us when it was like not fun to not, it was vision. The Bible goes, when you don't have vision, when you don't have a revelation of something, when your eyes have not been opened where you can see it, you will never endure. You will never last. And it will actually never be something that holds you. Why? Because where there's no revelation, people, they, they cast off Restraint. Vision does something on the inside of you and I that gives us the ability to go after the thing that God has for us. If you're taking notes, just jot this down. First thought is simply this, that what you and I need is we need revelation. You, you need revelation. And hear me this morning, the re- reason we need revelation is because it's revelation that from the inside out empowers us to do the thing that God, that, that God has. Let me just ask you a couple just questions. Can, can you see yourself reaching those in, in, in your world? Do, do, do you have a, a, a vision, a heart, a, a, a passion on the inside for people who are lost and people who, who are far from God? Can, can, can you actually see yourself making an impact and, and, and making a difference? Can, can you see yourself in, in your company, on your campus, in, on your team, in your, in, in, in your home? Can, can you see? Can you see it? Can you see it? Or is it just information? Yeah, 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 definitely, for sure. We should totally, you know, like, you know, be about, like, reaching people. And yeah, that's great. Great information, but, but can you see it, though? Can, 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 can you see the hope of the world that is the local church and the power of a community and what we can do, what God can do through us to, to change our, our world. Can, well, a lot of us, we, we can't see it partly because our perspective and the, and the way we see life, it's so geared towards, well, towards a, a, a worldly perspective. And here, here's the thing that visions, if you're taking this, jot this down, second, second point, is that we don't just need revelation, but we need a kingdom perspective. You know what vision does? Vision, it changes the lens through which you see life. It changes the lens through which you see the world. And you and I, what we do not need is a worldly perspective. We need a kingdom perspective. Now, we won't go here for, for time's sake, but, but, but Mark, Mark chapter 10, verses 7 through 31, I believe it is, is the story of a young man uh, who many of you are probably familiar with, uh, he's referred to as the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler because he's young and he's got money, power, and influence. Now, this, the story goes like this. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And, and, and he, he says, Jesus, what, what am I missing? I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But he goes, hey, what, what am I missing? Like, what, what is it that, 
Like what's not, what's, what's not like connecting here? Because like many, many of us, here, here's a young man who he's doing all the right things. You ever felt like that, that you're doing all the right things? Going, like, it's just like, I've checked all the boxes, and yet still something on the inside's unsettled? Still there's this sneaky suspicion that, that God has more for you? Here's the rich and ruined. He goes, I'm, like, I'm doing everything I know to do. What is it? And Jesus identifies. He, he goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And I want you to, want you to come follow me. Now, Jesus' point was not, was not money. The Bible it tells us that God actually wants to resource us so that we can leverage ourselves to reach people. God, God, God wants to bless us. The Bible says that God will bless us so that we can be a blessing. It's not money, but it's the love of money, right? Because Paul goes, the love of money is the root of, it's the root of all evil. That, the love of money is, is not something that, 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 that God wants you to have. So his point was not money. His point was, was I want you to fully push all the chips in, fully follow me. Now, here's what's so interesting and why I'm telling you this story. Because the Bible says he walks away sorrowful. Jesus' invitation, by the way, is the same invitation that you and I have. Pastor Robert, our Gastonia campus pastor, I love it, he says it this way. He says, Jesus' invitation is one of development and deployment. Jesus' invitation to this young man was, hey, come follow me. Hey, cash all the chips and come follow me. I promise you, you will have life and joy and fulfillment that is, that, that is indescribable. Come follow me and I'm gonna teach you. I'm gonna train you. I'm gonna develop you. And then I'm gonna, th- this is the invitation we've been given. The Bible says that he, he walks away, I, I can't do it. He walks away sorrowful. Sorrowful because he knows there's more and yet he cannot c- c- convince or find, uh, f- find a way to actually, to actually do what Jesus is asking him. And he, here's what really sticks out to me. He leaves and Jesus says this. Jesus goes, man, it is impossible for people with money to enter God's kingdom. It, it, it's impossible. And, and the disciples are like, what, 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 hold on. Wait, what? In Mark 10, 24, the verse that I do, do want to read, it says, and, and his disciples, they were astonished at his words. And Jesus answered again and said to them, clarifying, children, I'm not saying that it's hard for people or impossible for people who, that's not, you, you, you misunderstand. What I'm telling you is that it's hard for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now, indulge me for one second. I want to give you two definitions. That word riches doesn't just mean money. That word riches means anything that is material. This, this nasty, well, it's not nasty. Um, it's, it's new. Sorry, Tanner, that was not a shot at you. Um, this, this face mask could, could, could be classified as riches. It's anything that's material and anything that you can get your hands on, you can, you can get your, 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 your mind wrapped around. I, I think maybe a good definition for us would, would be riches is like, is like financial security. Riches is my career aspiration to get to this level, to do this, to have this amount of success. To, to be able to get this achievement. It, it, maybe, maybe the riches for, for you, it's just, it, it's just security. Hey, what do we gotta do so we can stop sitting up worrying at night? We just need enough money and enough security so we know we, it's, it's anything material. And here's what Jesus says. He says, anyone who trusts in riches, they, they, they're not gonna be able to do it. Now, the word trust is so interesting. And I promise you I'm going somewhere. The word trust in the original language, it, it, it describes not just a confidence in something, but it's this word that describes someone who has been persuaded by something, 
who has been persuaded and convinced and induced by someone, by, by something, to the point that they don't just trust, but they will submit, comply, and obey whatever it says. What, what is it that riches, what, what, what is it that it says? I'll tell you what it says. You can't live without me. You would be nothing without me. Contextualized to, 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 to your, your situation, but, but the lie, the, 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 the thing it says is, if you don't have me, you have nothing. Without me, you will not fill, fill in the blank. Hey, hey, if, if, you, if you don't get to right there, it's not, it's not and, and Jesus says, here, let me clarify. The person who's been persuaded, the person who's been convinced and persuaded to the point that they will comply, submit, and obey, this master, they'll never actually be able to, to follow me. Thus we see the problem with the rich young ruler. He walks away sorrowful because everything in me, I, 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 I know there's more for me. I, I, I'm missing something. And, and I can even imagine because it's Jesus and there, there's anointing and power that when he invites him, it's, he knew, I, I, I know that's the thing that, but he walks away sorrowful. Why? Because the master that was riches to him, you, you, you'll, you'll be nothing without me. Because he'd been persuaded, he, he turns around and, and falls. This is why Jesus says stuff in Matthew 6, like you can't serve two masters. You, hey, you, you, you cannot serve God in, in stuff. Hey, you should like, put all your treasure in, in heavenly things, not in, in temporary things. What, what's the point that I'm making? That for so many of us, the reason information is where we live is because we have yet to be divinely persuaded by Jesus. Be, be, because we, we've yet to have revelation that changes the way we see, the way we view the world, the way, the way we, we, we view life. We don't have a kingdom perspective. We have a worldly perspective. We've been persuaded to the point that we live in this tension of, I know God has more. I know that God is, and yet, and, and yet it's like we can't even cross that line in our heart. Am I the only one before who, it, it's not even a real decision. I'm not talking about losing, losing my job or income. It's in my heart, that wrestling match of, okay, I want to I, I push all the chips in, and I want to fully follow Jesus, but something in your heart won't even let you cross that line because immediately you start thinking about what that may, what that may cost. See, what we need, what we need is, is divine persuasion. Here's the last point that I, I want to give you. And we'll close right here. Worship team, you can join me and we'll close right here. But if you take notes, you can write this down. Thought number three, it's simply this, that, that we need God to, to, to give us revelation. We need God to open our eyes. Brandon, where, where is it that revelation comes from? Where is it that vision from God comes from? Brandon, where, where is it that, that my, my worldview and my perspective is changed? It only comes from, from God. 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. I want to read you a few verses as we close. Paul writes, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for, for those who love him. Remember, remember Tanner sitting up here? Paul, Paul goes, you, you, your eye, your ear, your heart, you, 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 have, you haven't seen it yet. 
verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. The spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Listen to this. I love this verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. Proverbs 2, 6 says this, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Listen, listen again. For the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives, and from his mouth comes knowledge and, and understanding. We were pl- playing golf yesterday, and I'm really glad that, that, that Graham asked me because I needed to take my mind off the really bad day I was having on the golf course. He goes, hey, it's like, what, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I just kind of started just talk, talk, talking through my sermon. Um, I actually don't even know if he asked. I think he asked if I was ready to preach today. And I took that as an opportunity to just tell him what, what I was going to preach. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're driving and I'm kind of getting to this point in the sermon. And, and he asked the question. He, he goes, well, how do you do that? It's a great question, isn't it? How, okay, if you're telling me that the only way to get me from information to implementate implementation is that I I need revelation. Like I, I I have to have God speak to me and divinely persuade me on the inside in such a way that I'm convinced that my whole worldview's changed. That I, I don't think or see life the same anymore. That that I've I've got this word from God that has painted a picture for the if, if that's what I need. Which, by the way, the Bible is clear in more than one occasion. That, that, that's actually what we need. Romans 10, 17 says, Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word, word is not the, the written word. It's the revealed word. Even Paul goes, you can't even have faith like you need to have faith unless you're getting revelation from, I, I need revelation. So how do I get revelation? I, I, I told Graham that this is my favorite and least favorite thing to, to say publicly with a microphone. Spending time with Jesus. You, you know why, why it's my favorite thing to say? Because it's the thing that's actually changed, changed my life. I, as many of you know, because I've told the story before, but I'm, I'm a pastor's kid raised in church. Been, been to every church service, camp, thing you can think of. Wasn't real to me. I was... 16, 17, 18, making stupid decisions, doing dumb stuff. Just like, I, I, I'm, 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 I wasn't far from God, but I kind of wanted nothing to do with God all at the same time. And it wasn't church services that changed me. It wasn't, it wasn't camps necessarily. It was, it, it was, it was time with Jesus. I, I, I can remember I, I started interning for zero dollars and um, zero cents, cents an hour at church when I graduated high school. And, um, I can, I can remember I, I, I'd be cleaning or doing whatever. And, and a lot of nights, because I would just come, come late at night because no one was here and I could just get everything done. And a lot of nights I would find myself laying face down right here. A lot of times with tears in my eyes, just saying, God, speak to me. Like, I, 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 I wouldn't have phrased it this way, but the sentiment I can remember feeling is, I don't want to be the rich young ruler anymore. 
I, I don't want to have a tug in my heart knowing you have more for me and yet walk away day after day sorrowful because I can't commit. Walk away day after day sorrowful because I something in me just can't cast the check. I, I can't fool. I don't want to be that guy. And I, and I, would, I, I would lay here. I'd get up early in the morning. And I'd, I'd, I'd spend time reading my Bible going, God speak. It wasn't the Bible. It was, it was God. From, the, from his mouth comes wisdom. God's the only one who can do it. There's this pastor, and, and I, I promise you, we'll be done right here. There's this pastor named Wayne Cordero, and he tells this, this story. He has this teaching. And he talks about how every single one of us, every single one of us, 80% of what we do, anyone could do. Any, anyone could do it. 15% of what we do, someone could do with the appropriate amount of training. 5% of our life is, 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 is made up of things that only you can do. And his whole big idea is that the, the way to healthy, fruitful, sustainable living is to give yourself to the 5% rather than always being, being caught up in the, in the 80%. And I remember one of the things he said that stuck. stuck. He's going through all these lists. He's like, only you can be a great husband to your wife. Only you can be, be, be the dad or, or the mom that God's called you to be. Only you can put broccoli in your mouth and resist tater tots. Only you can physically, like, like no one can physically exercise for you. But one of the things, I'll never forget it, is he, he gets to his point and, and he goes, and do you know that only you can pursue Jesus? Nobody can do it for you. Relationship with God a pursuit and a hungry heart for more of him, only you can do that. That is not something you can farm out. That is not something that, yeah, I brought, I love church because it's like, I don't really have to like engage. And then I come on Sundays and the pastor, like he did like lots of thinking for me. And so like, it's, it's only you can have a heart that's postured to receive. Only you can say, no, 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 it's actually a big deal that I find space and time to be alone with Jesus be, because he has a lot for my life. And he has this big purpose and this big plan and this big calling that's on my life. And I know that there's more to life than the number of zeros in my bank account and there's more than accolades. And see, I, it's, I want more. I want everything God has for me, but I know that information won't cut it. So actually, it's not an option. It's a priority that I, I got to find time to be alone with him because I need him to speak to me. I need him to open my eyes. I need him to give me a vision of what he has for me. God, I need you to speak to me in such a way that I can see that there's a picture in my heart of the future you have. I need revelation. Only you can spend time with, with Jesus. I think, think the reason a lot of people get, get a bad taste in their mouth for spending time with Jesus is, is because they're information gatherers rather than people that are, that, that are desperate for revelation. Yeah, man, I just, I, I tried that. I got a ton of Bible. Like I did like three journals, man, tons of Bible verses, but, but the heart was postured. Because I'm looking for information. I'm not looking for, I was telling someone this week, they're asking me like, how do you spend time with God? And I said, you know, one of the things that is helpful for me is that when I spend time with God, I'm committed. Some of you are gonna be like, we can tell. I'm committed to, to not try to get smarter. I'm, I'm committed to not learn any more facts. Of, I, I, don't, I don't, when I'm spending time, I don't care. I don't want more Bible facts. What, what I'm committed to is God like you and me were sitting down 
and you, you agreed to mentor me. I just need you to help me. I, 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 I want to stand before you one day and I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You stewarded your life in such a way as to, to, to fulfill what I, what, what I called you to. I, I want to hear those words and so, God, I'm just, help me. I don't need more facts. I don't, I don't want to get smarter. I need you to give me revelation and vision. I wish with all my heart that it's something that, that magically could just happen, but it's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's a hunger in you that says, God, I know there's more for me. God, I know you have a calling on my life. And I, and I want all that you have. So God, I'm, I'm hungry for, see, the, the Bible, Bible says God, he fills a hungry heart. God fills hungry hearts. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They shall be filled. Mary writes in Luke chapter one, she, she says, oh God, thank you for the hungry heart you have filled. We have to be hungry for more of Jesus and posture our life to receive from him so that it gets real. Because until it's real, it'll never actually really show up in our everyday life. Can I pray for you? God, thank you today for, for, for the Bible, for giving us your word, not just to give us more information, but really for the purpose of revelation. And, and I pray for every single person, especially our seniors today, that, that something would shift in our life, that we would begin to recognize there is a divine calling on our life. You purposed and planned our life. And I pray something in us would get stirred up, a hunger in us would get stirred up and say, I want all that God has for me. And I pray that as our hearts are hungry, that you'd begin to give wisdom and revelation. You'd begin to give vision. And that wisdom, revelation, vision of God would begin to change and transform and empower us to actually apply and do and live out the purpose and plan you have. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.